Hi guys, welcome to the Comedy Defect Podcast. This is take 50 or so of this link. This is the intro link. I've been really screwing it up today, I don't know why. There's been a lot of self-loathing in my brain today that I, I really can't extract. I seem to shake it off sometimes and just kind of deliver it well and with zest and joy. But today it's not happening, so I'm just going to deliver what's going on in my head. I don't feel too bad, but for some reason my brain won't let me deliver the words that I want to in the correct order with the correct pace. I am not firing on all cylinders. I am not firing on all syllables even. I am firing monosyllabically rather than maybe with one cylinder. That's probably what I'm... It's like my brain is a moped at the moment under 50cc. It's not allowed to go on the motorways. It's just going down the dirt tracks around the by-roads, if you get that analogy. Yeah, this is episode 25 of the Comedy Defect podcast. This episode is with Jojo Giorgio. Now, Jojo has been on the circuit for about 20 years. She has toured America. She's Texican. And she is over here in Europe, tearing it up over here as well. She'll gig anywhere. She's a very funny woman. Jojo was very supportive of me when I first started out on the circuit. Whenever I needed contacts, she'd give me contacts. And she's been just such a lovely person to me. She's had a really tough couple of years. So it's great to have her on the show and just catch up with her and see how she's doing. She's so positive. She's got a lot of stuff going on at the moment. She's got a big following in Berlin. You're going to really enjoy this episode with her. She talks very candidly about comedy, what you should and should not do. And we really geeked out at the end of this show. And we didn't spoil anything for anyone, but we just went, oh, you know this bit of this thing? Yeah, I know that bit of that thing. It's great. I think you might like it if, you, if you're into whatever we're going to be talking about. But stay with it. It's towards the end. But Jojo is such a lovely person. A very funny comic. A lot of stuff going on. I hope you enjoy this episode. But what else has been happening with me? Well, I've had a lot of things happen with me with my family at the moment. My nan had her 90th birthday recently. We all went over for that. When all the families came together, it was a bit mental. A lot of drink happened. A lot of things happened. Oh, it's been a really difficult couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's been a difficult couple of weeks. That's all I'll say. But yeah, things are going okay. I'm, I'm nearly moved in with my wife. <laughs> I know some of you are like, you've been saying this for the last month, two months. Yeah, nearly there. I have nearly finished the comedy defect container. I've got the walls up. The electrics are nearly done. I need to put the floor in now. It should be one more week and I'll have moved in there. So I'll have moved in before Christmas. Come on. So I'll be recording podcasts from there. Everything's going to happen in there. It's going to be great. But I don't want to talk anymore because, as I say, I'm having real problems with words today. So I hope you enjoy this podcast with Jojo Giorgio. Very funny woman. Lovely person. Enjoy. sister's suicide in December and then my agent stole money from me and I had a fire and then he put out a mass email to everyone telling me I had brain cancer and I lost five months of bookings and no one even bothered to check with me even though I put out on my website on Facebook on Twitter he's no longer my representation mm-hmm. my representative and he sent them out an email and all my bookings just disappeared so like he's just sabotaged you sabotaged really. me but one, and he still owes me money he still owes me over a thousand pounds and he's booking again mm. and all the actors said they'd never perform for him again are all performing for him again yeah, as, as we said a minute ago it's like it's a promoter's market isn't it, it is. a, an agent's market it's like they can take whatever they want but all, like all the clubs that used to book me are now saying oh we need you to come do a trial spot mm-hmm. like why mm-hmm. you know I've been going for 20 fucking years mm-hmm. 20 years I don't yeah. I mean and I've gigged for you for years you're the one that put me on the back burner yeah because of this so why do you why do I need to come and do 
more trial spots for you. And nobody has great shows all the time, but I mean, mm-hmm. serious. I think the last show you and I did together, I had a really bad night. But I really think the promoter sabotaged that by mm-hmm. not letting people have a break. Really. And I've heard from other female acts now that he does that a lot to female acts. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see. understand this aggression. Why? Um, yeah, I mean, what, what you said, we were talking a minute ago off air about, you know, I'm mean, not going to ask you how you were because you're angry. <laughs> it feels like you're like, I'm not, I'm not actually angry. I'm just like, this is, you know, it's like, I tell the truth and this is how it is. If people disagree with me, then fine, tell me how you did, but yeah. don't threaten my life, don't threaten mm-hmm. all kinds of crap to me. Like, it, it feels don't like, you're, like you're, shit. Yeah, you're being wronged. I mean, that, yeah. that, you're allowed to be angry about that or, 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 or passionate about that situation. It's just, you know, you're just like, what, the, what, why? This is totally wrong. It's not fair, you know, and then yeah. all these, um, then I have bookers go, oh, well, we, we, we want to prove that we're, we book female acts. So you come down, you do a good show, I'll watch mm-hmm. it, I'll promote you. So I drive all the way to Wells, smash the room to bits. Mm. And come off stage, and the booker's not even there. He's left. He went to go get his dog. And he's like, oh, everyone said you were okay. I was like, I got a standing ovation. What do you mean I was okay? And then he's like, oh, I'm still trying to get you gigs. I just don't think that you're right for our room. If I get a standing ovation in your room, if I get the crowd hooting and hollering and begging for me to stay on stage, how is that not right for your room? And I don't know if you get this, but sometimes a promoter will say, but you're not right for our room. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I played your room. I came and did your open mic. Yeah. Or your trial night, I smashed your room. Hmm. Your audience loved me where I'm outside taking selfies and fun. And how am I not right for your room on a Friday night, but on a Saturday night, I'm not right for your room? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make let's, sense. Let's go back to what, what we're talking about is we yeah. talked a little bit about that before. But this stemmed from a situation about a feed, isn't that right? Yeah, there was from... a feed last year. Um, it was for the Download Festival when they announced the comedy acts to run it. And the promoter had only booked two female acts out of 39. And I went on the feed... Because other female acts had come to me and said, oh my God, did you see this? They've only put two female acts on out of 39. So I wrote on the feed, why only two female acts? Like 600, 700 death threats, all Mm. kinds of horrible things said about me later. The promoter finally gets on and goes, oh, I didn't want women to have to stand around. It's a tough, it's a tough uh, game. Mm. And they'd have to stand around for a long time and use porta potties. I've done festival games. I've used porta potties. If you're paying me, I'm there. I don't care if I have to stand up. Yeah. I'll lean against a tree if I'm tired. Yeah, I mean, I think that everyone is like manages to hold their own weight exactly. before they get on stage. I mean, what just standing around, that doesn't make any sense. There's no logic in that whatsoever. Not at all. I went and did a show, and several of these guys that were on the feed said so they were going to show me up at it, and they just kept just going on and on and building mm-hmm. themselves up. So I went to the show, they surrounded me. I mean, just like in a semicircle. Telling, oh, you don't know what misogyny is. Misogyny comes from the Greek word. Um, means a man who hates pussy and no man hates pussy and I actually pointed out what about gay men they go gay men don't hate pussy they're just indifferent I'm like okay just get away from me you go do your thing I'll do my thing all three of these guys refused to go on after me so I ended up closing the show and all of them died on their ass and I I destroyed the room I got a standing ovation I got this you know when they when your joke hits so hard that they the audience starts and then just clap and mm. clap and laugh. Mm. And you have to, that's just the, and I, that mm. happened four times during my right. set. When I went off stage, when I finally got off stage, because when I said my time was over, the audience kept going, no, keep going. I looked at the, and the promoter was going, yeah, go, go. Yes. So I did an extra like 10 minutes. When I came off stage, all three of these guys wouldn't even look me in the eyes. And the feet just died. None of them, you know, I was like, none of them went on there to say, oh, was she smashing? Because it means like, Dude, you guys are pussies. You're fucking yeah. pussies. Just quit on the gig like I think that's just a travesty. If you don't yeah. have the balls to go on after somebody... Yeah. yeah. What's, I mean, good God. I've gone on after you, and you storm it every time I've seen you. I think, yeah, if I can keep that momentum going, great. And the thing is, if I see a comic that's amazing, they don't freak me out or scare me. They inspire me to try yeah. harder. That's it. 
It pushes. Push me harder. Yeah, that's it. It's you know, if you're on with a bunch of mediocre comics, mm. then you're going to act mediocre. But if you're on with some amazing comics, you are going to give it 110%. Mm. And it inspires you to go and write better material, to be a better comic, to mm. practice harder. You're only trying to be the best, the best that you can be. Yeah. And push the limits of yourself. And if you see someone doing great, like, oh, wow, they can, you can do this with comedy now, okay? Oh, this is what, there's, there's a, oh, there's another, there's another uh, avenue that they took that I didn't know you could do that comedy. You can. Exactly. Oh, that's inspiring. It's great. Do you find that situation that you had with that festival, you had that anywhere else? Um, only here in the UK. The funny thing is, okay, I just, I've just um, come back from Amsterdam, did some shows there, and they were absolutely amazing, and, they, and there were festival shows as well, mm. and I just had, there was no, there was, there was a sense of camaraderie with everyone mm. there, all the comics, the, every, and the other acts that were performing, everyone was kind of bolstering each mm. other up instead of tearing each other down, mm. and I just, I mean, I, I had a great time, it was a totally mm. different atmosphere, and don't forget, I used to gig in America, mm-hmm. I was on the circuit for eight years in America, mm. I've never experienced this level of misogyny, this mm. level of combativeness. Mm. The difference is, in America, after you do a show, all the comics get together, they go out for coffee, pie, mm. they sit at a table, notepads out, and we did it at every, in every little city I've ever been to. We'd find a place, we'd sit down, and we would write. We would, you know, we'd go over our show, our mm. set, and, and we'd give each other tips. Over here, that doesn't happen at mm. all. It's really very much just like, well, I got mine, you get yours. But in America, it is... The difference is, when one comic makes it, he usually takes his friends with him. Because if he's going to be doing a big tour across 50 fucking states in a fucking van for six months, mm. he wants to be with people he likes and knows and trusts and people he can work with. And they just don't do that here. It's the island mentality, I think, here. It's like the castle kind of thing. It's like, yeah. this is my thing. This is everything else. You're not going to get it. I'm not, you're not going to get I'm not going to give this to you. Exactly. And I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to throw it. You know, it's mm. like, there's a lot of really good female acts up at the top right now. Not a single one of them has thrown down a safety net for mm. another female act to get up. Not mm. a single one. In America, it's totally different. I don't understand why. Mm. I've heard it's the same in Canada, that they, they take their friends with them. They, they help them out. You're from Texas. So that's right. I'm from Dallas, yeah. yeah. And so you've been over here for how long now? 18 years now. Right. And you started gigging in Texas. Right? I started gigging in Dallas, Texas, right. where they had one open mic. They mm. had one comedy club and one open mic club. And if I wanted a second gig in that month, I had to drive from Dallas to Houston, which is 700 miles. Right. If I wanted a second gig, it was to Austin. Then it was to San Antonio. Then it was to Corpus Christi. And then El Paso. Mm. And then back to Dallas. So I put hundreds of thousands of miles on my car mm. in the first three years of doing comedy, just trying to learn my craft. What's it like gigging in Texas then? It is totally different. It was really funny because, I mean, at the time, I was like one of the... There was, I think, like a total of five female comics in Dallas at the time. There was only five of us. Mm. The rest were, were men, male comics. And I just found it was... For me, it was a, it was a breeze. I mean, learning the craft was hard because... I mean, it's not like London where there's literally, like I think, like 2,000 comedy clubs. Mm. And you can do you can do five clubs a night if you want to here. So it was totally different, but at the same time, it was very it was it was, so, it was really cool because I would watch the audience reaction when they saw me come out on stage, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, woman, oh my mm-hmm. gosh!" But they were open to it. They were so open. I mean, I got on the circuit quite quickly there and started making a very very good living on the circuit as a comedian for about three and a half four years before I got my radio show. And I was like, "Oh, thank God, I'm so tired of being on the road." I put done hundreds of thousands of miles, you know, in my car and, and in the gig buses. And it is kind of lonely, though, because mm-hmm. it's not like here where you can be home in a few hours. If you're on the road there, you're on the road for, for weeks mm-hmm. and weeks and weeks. And so it can get... Do you set up like tours? you like sleeping yeah, in the house? Yeah, yeah. I used to have a, a booker and my booker was amazing. So she would give me this spreadsheet, a packet, this 
like a three or four inches thick. And it would have your next city, so you're going to be in, I'll say you're going to be in El Paso, and, and here's the hotel, this is the comedy club, this is how much they're paying you. The next day you're out there, and it, and it would take, and I would leave from Dallas, and it would take me close to a month to get to L.A. Because it was, you stop in every little city, I mean, little tiny places you didn't even think of, but college towns and things like that do show. You're with two other comics, sharing the car, it's 24 hours a day, horrible hotel rooms. <laughs> but then I would go and stop and check my bank account, and there's money in my account, because she would collect the money and just pop it in. And it was totally different, because now it's like everyone wants to see your feeds, and everyone wants to see your videos. Back then, it's like, she's a booker. I've been doing this for 20 years. If I'm telling you this act is good, this act is good and can work in your room, so fuck you. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I'd get to L.A. We would do a week in L.A. and then we'd come back the Southern Route back in Dallas for maybe two weeks and then I'd go that way towards Florida and take another three, three and a half weeks, come back, go up north, come back and it was just, yeah. it's exhausting. It's, it's like, I mean, now, as you said, it's, uh, I want to see your feed, your videos and it's like, okay, you have to have all this content behind yeah. you, rather than just going, look, this person can do the job, what the hell, this is, a, I'm the agent. It's like that person yeah. is just a, just a mouthpiece now, rather than actual have clout and power. That, yeah. You know, you have to have, have all this stuff uh, just surrounding you, like your book, the sitcom, the, the TV credits, the radio show. The, exactly. Oh, you've got an agent and a manager. Okay, well, that's great. That you know? and, like, yeah. and, but you need all of this stuff to, in place of the world. Okay, this person's got stuff going on, isn't it, really? You had a radio show. What was your radio show? My radio show was a morning talk show. It was really funny because mm. I got back to Dallas and I'd been doing like um, this retro evening show from midnight to 6 a.m. On, on a radio station called The Edge, an all-call-in show. And it was just a little fun thing for me to do. And I, I didn't do it regularly because, like I was saying, I was on the road. But when I was in town, it was great fun. I loved it. Everyone would call in and I'd just have so much fun on it. And I loved the music because it was all about the 80s. It was retro. And then I got a phone call saying, look, we need, you know, we really like you. We like your voice. We like um, your attitude. I met you a few times. I was like, who is this? Because I, I think his name was Dave Chaos or something right. like that. <laughs> and we're looking for a morning uh, talk show host to do this radio station. So, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Never thought. You know, it's like, so I went in, and my very first day on the air, it was the most amazing thing. Within 25 minutes of me being on the air, we had three death threats, a bomb threat. We had to clear the building. I'm like, well, that was fun. And while I'm standing outside with the Dallas Fire Department and the cops there, and I'm mm. looking over at the board of directors, these old stodgy men, the manager comes walking up and goes, you're hired full-time, five days a week, you know, and here's what your salary is going to be. And I was like, are you serious? I was like, he goes, we're on the news, honey. You keep us on the news. We're great. And my show was great. I what, was, what, what was the thing? It was just talking. It was just talking. What was the subject? Did you sub- sub- any, subject? Any subject I wanted up. to. Yeah, I would read the newspapers. I, yeah. you know, find new But the subject on that day was Ebonics. You know, and I don't know if they, the UK people know, but Ebonics was a subject in the 90s where it was kind of like, urban black speak the words are it's all slang and they thought should ebonics be taught in school instead of english proper Mm -hmm. english and so i didn't say i was for or against it i just said how do you guys feel about ebonics because there's people saying we should teach it so next thing you know the phones are lighting up and people calling in and they're cousin and i'm hitting the dump button and (laughs) it was great it was fun you know so and i did that for almost two and a half three two and a half years well so you got launched by just being on the circuit just being on the circuit yeah you never know what anything is going to lead to come over here just go to la and then you met someone there and came here i'm no i met somebody in dallas i was working at the radio station and Mm. like a fool fell in love got married and you know he's british moved over here Mm. we'll only be here for three years i promise 18 years later Mm. i'm still here but it was fun. I had a good time. 
worked hard for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you really, you, you've sacrificed so much when you're in this business. Friendships, everything. You've, Are you still married now, 18 years? Yeah, I'm still married. Yeah. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot yeah. what he looks like most of the time because yeah. I never see him. But yeah. yeah. Like watching out all the time, yeah. I'm just never home. Never, yeah. ever home. And when I am home, I'm asleep. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, locking the bedroom door. Nobody bother me. Yeah. And what, is, what does he do? Um, he is an IT. He's a pro- computer programmer. Right. Okay. So great. yeah, he works from home a lot. Mm, Basically, he's just always naked walking through the house, and I was like, "Please, for the love of God, put some clothes." I don't need to see this. Yeah. Oh my God! You, so you've been to French a few times as well, and done a lot of festivals. Um, yeah. Which is your favorite festival in the, in the world? You know what is where I did a festival this year, and mm. it was the most amazing thing. It was called the Flame Festival, and it's in Essex. Okay. And it was. So fun. I, I think they had like 60 tents with different musics. They had all the performing arts there. They had a tent for a spoken word. They had a, a massive tent for comedy. They had a massive tent for burlesque. And it was only 18 and over. And it was amazing three days festival. And it was just amazing. It was fantastic. I walked through a forest of penises that they had erected. <laughs> there was a climbing wall with, with penises to hang on to. And I actually pointed out... Because everyone kept hitting their heads on. I mean, you should have used vaginas. They're easier <laughs> toe holes and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, it was an amazing festival. And mm. I think it's like every May. Okay. And it's now been fully backed by the council. And they've got yeah. a private promoter who's totally booking it up mm. now. And it was amazing. Just amazing. Because mm. every genre of music was represented. Jazz, blues, rock. Mm. All the stuff that's popular now. House music. A drum and bass. Mm. Uh, just an amazing experience. I found it fantastic, and everyone was just really, really, really cool. And they and the promoters took great care of the acts while they were there. So, like you're a club comic, are you? Yeah. Portrayed. Done like your debut hour for like the Fringe, or are you just? Like... I haven't done the debut hour for the Fringe because mm. it's like I just can't afford to go up there and do that. Mm. That just takes so much money. Mm. Right now, I'm writing a, an hour long show that I want to promote mm. here. I've got a director that I'm working with. She wants to produce the show in London. I've been working with her now for the past two years on performances, and I've noticed that my whole even though I think I know so much about performance she's helped me so much push myself to the next level in yeah. comedy although I'm so you know it's like I'm very loud on stage and I'm very aggressive on stage mm. but I, I just kind of feel like that's just who I am naturally her thing is she wants me to stop cussing so much on stage because I want you know make you a completely squeaky clean act but that's just never going to happen <laughs> It's not about because the reality is people cuss in their day to day lives. You know, I, I don't know. Do, I do, do you cuss on stage? I do. I know occasionally uh, the odd one, but not many. I don't do it on purpose. It's not. It's not a. It's not a conscious thing. You know, I always say "son of a bitch" on stage or something like that. But I have had promoters come up to me afterwards and go, "Oh, it's just unladylike for a female comic to cuss." And like the comic that went on before me talked about digging up his dead grandmother and dry fisting her. <laughs> That's okay with you, but me saying "son of a bitch." Mm. Is a step too fucking far? Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Yeah. And I get that all the time. And I think it's just this double-edged, it's bullshit. I think that's good why Amy Schumer is really highlighting that. You know, that this double-edged, it's not, it's not cool. Double standard, isn't it's it? It's a double standard mm-hmm. and it's, it's bullshit. For male comics to be able to go on stage and say whatever they want and it's cool. But for a female comic to go on stage and, and just say shit or damn mm-hmm. or son of a bitch is a step too too yeah. far. You said that uh, that... that... Uh, that your manager you had like uh, sabotage you oh my god I'm a fucking I mean, you've had, bastard you've had a lot of life events happen to you recently they've been a fucking yeah in the last th- few years I had cancer yeah my sister committed suicide while I was going through cancer treatment right then just as I'm coming out of cancer treatment my agent flips out punches somebody I find out he's stealing money from me so I fired him 
Mm. And then he sent out a mass email telling everyone I had brain cancer. I lost all my bookings. Mm. And then I, I actually had a part-time job at that time, too. And the day I went back from cancer treatment, they fired me. So it's just been, like, a really fucking tough time. Mm. And then getting gigs has just really been a nightmare lately. 2016 has been... 2016, 2015 have not been, you know, the best, the kindest years Mm -hmm. to me. But I'm still here. And have you you filtered any of that into your stand-up or... I am, I'm writing... I mean, the cancer, not so much. There are a few bits that I do talk about because some really stupid, funny stuff happened to me while I was going through treatment. I mean, I had just come out of the hospital. My washing machine broke. And I am so fucked up on some of the best payments. I'm telling you, the NHS gives you the best payment and high quantities of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't just send you home with like a seven day pack. They send you home with a 90 day package yeah. of tramadol, of oxycodone, <laughs> of morphine. You know, you're a drug baron at this stage. You know, it's like I, I, I can't get to the water. I mean, I can't get to the laundry mat. Um, I'm going back and forth with the people about whether it's in warranty, whether it's out of warranty. And so my best one of my friends asked if. Because I'll, I'll come get your laundry and wash it. I thought, oh my God, that's just the most amazing thing ever. And she did. She came in. She collected everything. She took it home. She washed it. She ironed it. I've never ironed a fucking thing in my life. I don't even own an iron. And she brought it back. And I was like, oh my God, you're just so amazing. And as I'm putting everything away, I noticed that there's not a single pair of knickers there. Yeah. And I thought, she threw away my knickers because they're not posh enough for her machine. What's going on? Yeah. So I called her up and I said, Monica, do you have my knickers? She goes, not anymore, darling. And I'm like, what do you mean not anymore? She goes, oh, honey, I sold them. I'm like, well, you what? She sold them on a website called dirtyknickers.com. She sold them in a job lot for 490 pounds to a German guy. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? She goes, didn't you know, darling, I've been selling my knickers for two years. How do you think I live like this? I go, I thought you were a PA. She goes, no. She goes, I've been selling knickers online for years. I make 3,000 pounds a month. Sorry, PA. Personal assistant. Oh, so that's what I thought it was, but I thought there was some... Uh, no, I thought she was a personal assistant. No, I thought she was a personal assistant. And she goes, oh, no, dear. darling, no. You think a personal assistant can drive a Mercedes? I'm like, I don't know what you made. So she <laughs> sold my nigga. I never got a cent. Oh, never got a on. cent. Well, it's always going to be dirty knickers. You I know. Just I know. to be the website. Yeah, yeah. So she goes, and I've actually looked her up earlier. She's got a massive clientele, and they have... Very specific things they request from her, which is oh stomach churning. But she's got a following, and she's making damn good money at it. So good for her. Fair play to her, yeah. Fair play, you know. I've got a son. I don't have time to go work to work every day. I got to take care of him. <laughs> thinking outside the box. She really is thinking outside the box. Yeah, you wow. know, because we're just surviving in this fucking world. What do you need knickers for? Wow, God, that's you don't need panty lines. Fuck that. <laughs> wow, fair play to her. You were in in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're with your family. You're all in you're Texas. All in Texas still, and they. Were they into like your comedy? To come see no, you only my only my older sister was into the comedy. Yeah. I went to school, I went to university, and I studied to be a psychologist. And I mm. got my degree, and I was working as a psychologist. Yeah. When I threw it all away, I I went into work one day and said, "I can't take this shit anymore." Mm. I quit. I went and I got a job as a waitress. Mm. And four nights later, I was on stage doing my very first stand-up comedy night. Wow. And the only one that supported me was my older sister Angela, and mm. so she supported me through everything. And she was one of the driving forces behind. Everything I did, she was always pushing me and challenging me to do stuff. Like, how did you kind of go, oh, well, this is the thing I want to do. This is the thing. This is it now. I was working for the, the crisis team, and I was at the hospital basically four days a week and literally 24 hours a day just dealing with really horrific, horrible things. I'd come home numb, and then I would write comedy, really dark, twisted mm. shit, and I would tell it to my sister, and she would just die laughing. Funny. I never planned to get on stage that night. My sister taught me into going to a comedy club, just happened to be the one with the open mic, and she had signed me up. 
And I'm sitting there having a drink. And next time I know my name is called. I'm like, what the fuck? And she goes, get on stage, baby. So I got on stage, did three minutes, died on my ass. But my sister was cackling with laughter so hard, the audience started laughing and I was literally hooked. And that was it for me. That was it. He said you didn't do any competitions or anything? That was no, like, was there's none, none of that. Like, there was, was none of that back then. It was just like, that you're in, you're doing it, That's you it. got the job. That's that was it. I went That's in, nice. I started doing it, and then mm. the, the woman who runs the club, which is still going today, it's called the Backdoor Comedy Club, and they're amazing in, in Dallas. And uh, mm. there's actually comics here right now in London who started there as well. So, and they're fantastic. It, well, the woman who runs it, her name was Linda Strawberg, and she's she's been on TV. She's been running this thing for 20-some-odd years. Mm. And it's now like a fixture of Dallas. Right. And it's in a really major hotel, and it's got major prominence now as a launching point for mm. comics. The comics that used to come and watch the shows there, people like Bill Hicks used to come mm. in and sit in the audience and wow. watch and give Great. you fucking tips. Mm. And I'll tell you what, he was an angel. Mm. Here's how raw I was. I really didn't know who he was. And I was sitting at a table with Bill Hicks, who's telling me, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to work on. You heat it here. I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And then I, you know, later I was like, fucking moron. Do you know who that was? Like, I don't got a clue. <laughs> but now I do. I was like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. That's you know? amazing. Yeah. That's going to go with the biography. There. It is. Yeah, seriously. He's like, and I did this birthday party and stuff like that. I was like, oh my God, I had no idea who I was with. Who the, and the people that I started off with back then, they're still going today mm-hmm. and uh, some of them are still on the circuit, but most of them are living in LA and they're all working on TV shows. They're the writers or they're acting in the shows and stuff like that. And they're always telling me you're a fucking moron. Shouldn't have moved it, moved out of Dallas. You should have moved to LA. They're always telling me you gotta move to LA. You gotta, like, oh, I hate LA. Why? Why would you? Right now, I would not move back there because have you seen what the fuck is going on over there? There's about to be a civil war. Seriously, people are gonna die. Okay. I'm not going back there during this shit. Right. Maybe afterwards. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I mean, right now, I, I just I really do enjoy living in the UK. Mm. I love Europe. I love being able to just get on a train and, and I'm. I'm in Paris. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm really far away from my fucked up family in Texas, oh, right. you know. Because every week I still get that phone call. Well, we're doing a whipping around. Tommy's in jail again. Can you transfer? So I'm like, oh, just leave him there. How many brothers do you have more, more sisters? Yes, I have. Um, from my mom, there was five of us. Right. I have one brother and three sisters. A twin sister included in that. Okay. But my father has 22 other children. 22 other children. Yes. Apparently, yeah, that's a lot of fucking kids. Yeah, like so then you add us five in there, it's twenty-seven kids. Is it all from the same mom? No, different women. Okay. I have a, a sister who's just a few months older than me. I've got a brother that was like seven, a, a year and a half older than me. And my parents were married till I was ten. And I can do math, motherfucker. But here's the thing: I didn't know about any of them until about seven years ago. Twenty-two. None of us knew about any of them, and then suddenly. Um, a private investigator got in touch with my twin sister and said, oh, well, just so you know, you know, you got another couple sisters and brothers out there. And she goes, really? Okay, well, dad was older than mom. How many? Oh, about 22. What? So I've been slowly getting to know some of them through Facebook and finding out they're all fucking weird as shit. Yeah. Some of them are just mm. crazy as hell and amazing and lovely. And like, do, you, do you speak to your dad? Or? No, my dad passed away when I was oh, 10. It was right, like, right. otherwise he'd be dead now. Right. Seriously, one of us would have killed him. Like, really? <laughs> seriously? <laughs> we know they had condoms in the yeah. 70s, motherfucker. 22. There were condoms in the 70s. That's so many. Like, I, mean, I was like, could you not get that in your pants? Yeah. What the hell? That's, I don't know what was going on with this man, but 22 kids, that's 27 insane. kids altogether. That's insane. It's an insane. I was like, dude, you, 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 you. 
really enjoyed sex. He yeah. really likes sex. He's most alive to be. I'm pretty sure he likes sex a lot. <laughs> he had a lot of kids. So who's the oldest? That's the thing. Is like, I'm. Well, my my two younger siblings, Danny and Darren, they're the youngest. So I'm the third from the youngest, and everyone else is older. I know. So everyone else, and I got a sister like like almost fifty seven now. So it's like they range in age. Insane. The thing is keeping track of who they are. Yeah. You know, because I've gotten very close with my 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 sister Danny, and she's she knows everyone in the family. So mm-hmm. she's like, "This is your niece. This is your nephew. This and like, how, who are these kids? They're, those are your great nephews." Like, oh my. God. I was like, I would just like a DNA chart to mm-hmm. flow here to flow there, but I recently found out that there is question mark on four other people that they're trying to get them to take DNA tests because. They know that my father had relationships with their mothers. He's going, no, we've got enough. We got enough. Got enough I think, you know, I think the shoebank side of the family is pretty out there. We're right 22. Now. We're 22. We're good. We're, we're good. good. We're, we, we don't, don't need any more. No. We don't need, we don't need yeah. a fucking reality yeah. special about us. Yeah. Nothing, you know. Yeah, we don't need two baker's dozens here. You know, but my aunt's like, I just want to round up all of your dad's kids, make sure all of them are in the family. He's like, look, if they're outside the family, they're doing okay because mm-hmm. inside this motherfucking place, it ain't so good. That's crazy. Are they into any sort of like performance as well? No, I do have one brother that seems to be tattooing himself for God. Okay. And he's tattooed like 85% of his body with religious symbols and tags. Like, okay. go for it. But no, right. no. One of them's a cop. And, you yeah. know, my sister works in um, uh, the IT field in, in San Francisco. Mm. And some of them are in jail. And some okay. of them are running shady little businesses. And yeah. You know, it's telling me inappropriate stories about body parts of theirs that I don't want to know. Even if I did know who you were, I don't want to know that. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, but yeah. So he's tattooing himself for God. This, this, I don't this. know why. All right. Is, he, is it like all just fully to the neck or like... I think he shaved his head. He's got someone to scalp now. Oh, okay. like that. And I'm just like, you go yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You're, in, you're in Nome, Alaska. Stay there. That's where you need to stay. Right. They're everywhere. Um, it's really weird. You just moved. Or you, you've saved yourself a grand on mm-hmm. the rent to where you moved to. Sweet Jesus, I'm saving a thousand pounds a month mm-hmm. just moving outside of the M25. It's like, dude, do you know what I can do with that money? I can live. I can buy things. You know, a gym membership. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can it. save up for a boob job. I can save up for yeah. a tummy tuck. For anything. Anything. Yeah. Lazy. Lazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I put it like, I like glasses. I prefer glasses. Really. I don't think, I think everyone, I'm so used to wearing them. I've worn them since I was three years old. I don't think, when I take them off, people have a hard time looking at your face looking at my face yeah. it's like mm-hmm. my friends because I took my glasses off last night I was with my friend and his sons and I took my glasses off and his little boy said nah, nah, nah. <laughs> stranger stranger no 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 put them back on put them back on I was like okay yeah. yeah this is this is you now I don't like the other you I'm like still me but yeah they don't really cool. part of your face in the end don't they really you can I know I've got glasses as well but I, I like the blurred I'm short sighted but I like the kind of slightly blurry yeah you know, reality and, honey it's prettier that way but I can't literally I can't even get up and pee in the middle of the night without putting on my glasses I will walk right. into the wall I just I can't see I'm mm. just blind as a bat so when was the last time you went back to America I went back eight years ago and I did an eight state tour uh, and that was amazing fun no it was nine years now it was just before Obama got became president. Yeah, he was running for president at the time. Mm-hmm. So I went back then, and I, I flew into Houston. Because I just mentioned to my old booker, just like to face it, oh, I'm coming back to uh, America. I'm going to spend like three weeks. I'm going to go in Texas, and then I'm going to San Francisco to see my sister. I'm going to spend like three weeks there. And she goes, oh, darling, why are you here? You've got to do It's like, oh, okay, fine. And when I got there... <laughs> 
She was waiting for me at the airport, handed me a packet. I go, what the fuck is this? Because this is your tour schedule. I'm like, what? And so I ended up with my brother, talking my brother into driving me because I no longer had a Texas driver's license or even a car. So I conned my brother, who is um, a huge Trump supporter, by the way. Yeah, he must be happy then, right? Oh my God, he's so happy. And, and how are you about that? I'm you, not happy. No, don't want to go back for another eight years. No, I don't want to go back until this shit's over with. There's going to mm. be blood. Mm. But I conned him into driving me literally through eight states and doing these shows. And so, and he had never seen my shows and he was quite impressed. But it was fun. And I just forgot how long a car trip with your brother is, especially when he's he's so Republican and he's so ultra Christian and he's only listening to Rush Limbaugh and... Christian music, and I was just like, for the love of God, <laughs> kill me. Just shoot. It was just, I mean, and it's still, it's your brother, yeah. the most annoying person, because even while, you know, and he's an older man now, just drive around something, he reaches over and go, look, I'm not touching you. God <laughs> damn it! What is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And he's eating sunflower seeds and spitting them at me. I was like, are you serious? You're 40. You're 40. What is wrong with you? You know? And then, I mean, we'd get a hotel room and he would play pranks on me in my room and stuff like that. I mean, I woke up to find things in the bed that weren't so either. A snake was in my bed. My brother put it there. I was like, are you serious? You're fucking 40. Yeah, that's kind of stuff you're doing when you're seven. No right? shit. It's like he just literally had a breakdown or some shit and suddenly reverted to he was 16 years old and torturing me again. It was, I, I could not wait to get away from him. Could not. Mm. The last day, he drove me back to Houston. I was going to my hotel. Then I was flying to Atlanta for yet another week, an extended week I ended up doing. Mm. And I was like, just get me in this hotel room, get me in this hotel room, away from this motherfucker. <laughs> and then I was like, years later, I was like, you know, actually, that was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it really was. It was like, it was memories because we had so much fun. And at the same time, we argued the whole time yeah. and bickered and acted just like teenagers, but it was at the same time fun. You know, he said, this is my vehicle. And when I'm driving the vehicle, it's my music and my this. I'm like, can you not just say car? What is wrong with you? You can let loose and be who you are with your family, isn't it? You revert. Yeah. When you're around your your siblings, you revert to this childlike... Mm. I don't know what it is, but Mm. do you do that with your siblings? Uh, Yeah, I've got got brothers. I've got two brothers and I've got two sisters as well. I I, I keep saying I'm going to go back, but... Mm. The problem is my family is so spread out. Even in Texas, they're they're in Houston, they're in Dallas, they're in Austin, they're in San Antonio. Mm. And... None of them are getting along good enough right now to actually agree to meet in a middle point. So it would mean me traveling to all these places. And if I miss one of them out one, I'm I'm dead meat, you know. And none of them will let me, you know. So it's like, oh, I want you guys are in a better mood. But right now, my brother and all, because all the women in my family voted for Hillary. And all the men voted for Trump. Well, Thursday is Thanksgiving. And my cousins and my sisters and my nieces and all going, these motherfuckers are going to starve to death and we ain't cooking shit for them. Mm-hmm. They can fuck themselves. Go get Donald Trump to cook you dinner, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And my brother's like, can't we be reasonable? No, reasonable is voting for a reasonable person. Not a Nazi. So I'm, I'm quite, there's going to be bloodshed. And I'm like, can you just put like a video camera in the corner of this room and turn it on and let me Skype you guys so I can watch the carnage? Yeah, watch the world burn. I just want to watch the world burn from afar and just sit back there laughing my ass off yeah. because it is, they are furious. I mean, there's some, I mean, my twin sister, I'm not speaking to him, I'm not speaking to him, I'm not ever again. Mm. You know, and I, if I see him, I'm going to run over with my car. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, seriously, the, the, the Republican Party is completely broken. It's mm. completely shattered. The Democratic Party is hanging on by a thread. 
Um, you got everyone going, well, because Hillary has now won the popular vote by over 2 million points. You've got the electorate, because don't forget, he's not president yet, not until mm. the 19th of December when mm. the electors actually go and cast their votes, and they don't actually have to vote for the one that, that they're told to. They can vote their conscience. That's why they're the electorals. And there are several electorals saying that they're not voting for Trump. They're going to cast their votes for Hillary instead. But isn't, isn't there, it's never happened before when they've actually overturned it, isn't it? In January, is that January that happens? No, it's December, December right. 19th is when the electorals go to vote. Okay. So it's going to be an interesting day to yeah. see what happens. Because mm. you still have people... I mean, this guy's an idiot. He said he doesn't yeah. want to use Air Force One. He wants to use it. Because you don't want to use a plane that... You don't want to use a plane that's bulletproof, bombproof, and cannot be detected on radar. You want to use your thing. Fine, you're dead. Mm. You're going to be gone. And mm. Second, his wife and kid aren't even moving to Washington. They're staying in New York. You can't even get the first lady to move to the, to the mm. White House with you. That's another warning. Like, mm-hmm. And the people that are in your cabinet right now, the people that you're talking to, racist, bigots, misogynist, people who all are, have some kind of lawsuits against them. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch the world burn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's truly destroyed. And maybe it's a good thing because I, I think that they're going to have to rethink things. Yeah, and I so. I, I, we need more than two parties. Mm-hmm. We need more. Than, and I think that they need to get rid of the electorals altogether. Mm-hmm. Because this is the problem people have in America. It's like, I don't want to vote because my vote doesn't count. And your vote counts if it's, if it's actually counted and it goes to the popular vote. If it goes to the electorals, it doesn't matter how many people in your, your neck of the woods vote. If, if enough of the other guys vote, even if you win, they you still lose. So I think that you'll get more people voting if it is based purely on the popularity of this person. Because then every vote does count. Your your husband's English, and where is he from in England? Well, actually, he's Greek Cypriot. I mean, okay. he's Cypriot, right? From Tottenham. Tottenham. Yes. <laughs> Apparently how you say it. Yeah. Tottenham. Yes, I'm constantly being corrected. And I love that yeah. on stage because the audience loves to correct my English and mm-hmm. it's just turned into an entire 20-minute bit on its own sometimes. Yeah, so there's, there's like so there's like two Brexits going on. There's one in the, the in US and there's one here. Really. Yeah, so exactly. It's kind of the same sort of thing. How is he uh, reacting to the... He is just the, shocked. He's absolutely shocked. And he thought... It's never going to happen because the mood here in London was, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But if you mm. went out mm. outside of London and we, you and I go outside of London and we do gigs in little places, mm-hmm. the mood there was quite different. And we were talking to people. I don't know if this happened to you, but I talked to people and I got the sense it was going to happen because I was doing loads of shows, you know, South Stoke on Trent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You go up outside of London yeah. and you go to these places and you're talking to people. I was like, I'm hearing a totally different attitude than what I'm hearing mm-hmm. in London. Did that happen with Oh, you? yeah, for sure. I, I definitely, I noticed that. But they, for so many years, it's all been that fear-mongering sort of stuff. Yeah. And then they're pushing people over, you know, towards the cliff. And then when they, when, when they can go, no, guys, you know, we want you to go the other way now. Yeah. And so it's way too late. All the fear is, is pushing everyone to, to one direction. It's, it, we, can't, we can't go back now. We, we're, we're too scared. I know. I like how Boris Johnson really pushed that agenda and then fucked off and left us with everybody's like, you mm. fucking bastard. Mm. I don't know. It's like, for me, what I'm so disappointed, to, because for years, you know, I've really felt... Americans making huge strides towards towards being better human mm. beings. And I honestly, I don't believe in borders. I think people should be freely allowed to travel anywhere because we're all, we are all owners of this world. We mm. don't own this world. We all do. Every one of us has the rights to be here. I think we should, and the, the more that we mix and move around, the stronger we are as, mm. uh, genetically. And the more that we in, in, encounter different cultures, the, the, the stronger we are morally and, and intellectually and the more we open up and the more we see but it's when you close yourself off and you become xenophobic and you, it, that's when you just have so many problems. Mm-hmm. And, I think the, and I think that if everyone was forced, and I think at least every five years was forced to travel outside of their country to another yeah. country, 
to experience another culture and find out the beauty of that culture, find their language, their food, the people, then we would have such a better world. We'd see things in common rather than exactly. seeing the difference. We'd go, oh, well, they do that as well. Oh, we do exactly the same thing. You know, it's, uh, you love your kids? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so a... weird. <laughs> yeah. I love my kids. I like to eat, too. <laughs> you like dogs? Oh, my God. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Exactly. You know, but yeah, yeah. I, that's, I, I know that's a very extreme. I just don't believe in borders. I think mm-hmm. people should freely be able to travel mm-hmm. and move about the way they did for the last 100,000 years of traveling around the world to find better places to live. That's what we do. If our resources in one area aren't supporting our families and aren't supporting us and keeping us alive, mm-hmm. the hunter-gatherer gets up and moves on to another, to greener pastures. Yeah. And that's what I personally think. That's the natural order of things. Mm-hmm. That's why... You know, they find these old old cities that were just completely abandoned because it can no longer sustain life there. Mm-hmm. It was no longer a good life for people. So people moved to better places. And then they they encountered different foods and different cultures and different accents and different religions and different beliefs. And they embraced it and took it on. Yes, there was war, but there was more acceptance than mm-hmm. war because otherwise we would all be gone. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place to, in, in, the, in the world to gig then? You've been doing a lot of gigs outside of the UK, you say. And, uh, you know, recently, so what's your, what's your favorite crowd? I, I have to say, I'm thinking about it, it, it was Amsterdam. Yeah. I don't know about you, but Amsterdam, yeah. it's like you go to Amsterdam and it's just, every, not it's not just like the gigs there, but it's the people when you mm. get to Amsterdam. Everyone, mm. the airport is amazing, it's like a mall. Mm. You get there, everyone is so nice, everyone speaks English, and you're so scared the first time you go there because you're thinking, oh my God, I want to do a what if nobody speaks English? And they get it, everyone speaks English. Mm. No, they speak five languages. Mm. There's five-year-old kids looking. I speak five languages. How many do you speak? Uh, barely one, kid. Oh, you're American. <laughs> the kid said that to me. He's like, yeah, yellow <laughs> shit. But I loved it. And it was the, the experience we did. And the audiences were so amazing. And they were so up for it. And they just took everything aboard. And then it was just talking to you afterwards. Everyone wants to talk to you. I had a great time. Yeah. What about you? I, I went to Amsterdam was like a couple of years ago. And I really enjoyed the, the crowds as well, to be honest. And, I was a bit, a bit nervous because I thought, oh, very Germanic. Oh, this is good. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I went there for King's Day for the Utrecht Comedy Festival. There was a guy at the at the train station, you know, he's having some food, he's had a few beers or whatever. It was after the gig. And he was just sitting there at the at the table. It was covered with, like, rubbish and everything, you know. And he just looked up over the rubbish and went, sorry about the mess. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's brilliant. That is their humor, you know. They're just like, you know, they're cheeky, they're they're sarcastic, and it's just that's yeah. like, that's that's them. It just said so much about their their culture, their culture. Like that, that sort of that that interaction, that, that having fun with other people as well, you know. And it, it's not that they're the people think they're quite stoic and quite withdrawn, but they're not. They're very they're not. They're, mm. I was never allowed to eat alone. I would go mm. to a restaurant by myself, and then I would look up and see people staring at me, and the next mm. time people got up. And, you eating alone? I'm like, yes. And mm-hmm. they're, no, you're not. We're sitting down mm-hmm. with you. I was never allowed to eat alone. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And after the shows, all the comics would, for some unknown reason, strip off and jump into the river. Did they do that with you? No. Oh, it's a tradition. I'm like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm not getting <laughs> in that murky water. Oh. They all just strip naked. Okay, just jump in. Like, really? Wow. Like, yeah. swimming around. This water is great. Our water is the best. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw something floating in there earlier. Exactly. It's like, a canal. It it's a canal. It's a canal. Yeah. But yeah, it was great. Yeah. I had so much fun. Great. Yeah, and I loved it. I love the people. I love the place. I love the comedy. I'm, you know, trying to book my other gigs in other places mm-hmm. and see how it goes. I mean, I do hear I have a following in Germany, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Berlin. 
I don't know yet. I mean, I just keep getting these emails from some comedy clubs over there saying, you've got following here. Can you come? I was like, yeah, "Yeah, if the dates work out, I'd be happy Mm -hmm. to come. Excellent. So I'm just, I'm trying to work all that out. And like I said, right now I'm writing a new show Mm -hmm. and just focusing on on writing. I'm I'm also writing a series. And And like sitcom. Yeah, sitcom. Right. And so I've actually got that to a production stage right now. and. And I've got it with a production company, and you know, so now I've got to make all these changes, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, it's, it's fun though. Huh? It's so much fun. Yeah. It's like all this crap is coming out of my head. What the hell? You know, it's a really dark oh. comedy. You're like, wow, this shit is dark, yeah. but it's so funny. Yeah, great. You know, so I'm like, yes, let's get it on. Let's get it on TV. Let's get it on something. Sell yeah. it to Netflix. They like dark shit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And yeah. the, the, again, the, the, your audience will find you there. I mean, you don't need to even go looking for them. It's like, well, they just pop up, wouldn't they? As exactly. soon as they look at that, whatever that thing that relates to that sitcom you've got, dark shit. Oh, here it is. Exactly. That's your show. You know, especially if it's on like Netflix or you know the World Wide Web, something mm. like that. That's really taking over. Here's what I know about TV right now. There's no variety on it, mm. and that's why everyone's turning away from it. That's why they're going online to watch shows on Netflix or to watch other shows that are on different channels. Mm. There, you know, they're using the Cody. They're watching stuff mm. from all over the world. Because there's no variety on TV anymore. Mm-hmm. You've turned on Channel 4 or whatever. They've got one of their shows on, 9 out of 10 cats, never mind mm-hmm. the buzz call, whatever. Yeah. If you close your eyes, you can't tell one show from the other. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, you have to put on the eye and go, what mm-hmm. is this? Ah, oh, wait, wasn't this on the other? Oh, no, it's a different show. Mm-hmm. But it's the sa- exact same panel members. So it's, it's literally from the BBC, Channel 4, ITV, all have the exact same 15 comic people on there, and that's it. On their panels, and that's it. No more. It's very boring. It is. It's the same old, same old. It's the same old, and they're all the same sports theme talk show. Mm. It's like I watched um, American Horror Story, yeah, and loved it the first few seasons, and, and then have you seen the last, the recent, most recent one? Oh God, it's the worst thing I've. I stopped ever after seen. season two. I just couldn't anymore. Mm. Mm. I get bored. The only thing that's really holding my attention is Walking Dead right now. Right. So. You read the comics as well. Yes, yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. catching up on them. I'm. I'm you know, got yeah. into it big time. I didn't like Fear the Walking Dead. I actually have no sympathy for those mm. people, and I want every one of them totally, to die. Totally, totally. I want you to die. Okay. I want on. you to die bloody. <laughs> I want them to rip you apart. Yeah. Every last one of you, yeah. fucking die because you were born the tits off me. Yeah. You just want. You just want them to have that little bit extra. Oh, got more dialogue. Yeah, you're gonna go next. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Fuck Keep you. More you know, it's like. Last year with Walking Dead, they came back for the break and the kid got eaten. I was like, yeah! <laughs> I hated that kid! <laughs> and then this one, opening season, I was like, oh my god, you racist! They killed the last ginger! Oh, What's yeah. wrong with you? And he, he doesn't die that way in the... In the no, in the and he had the best dialogue. He does die, but later he does, on. But later on. But, but, but like... Because everyone knew Glenn died in this one. Everyone knew, because if you, want, if you listen, to, if you watch the... If you read the comics, you know yeah. that this is where Glenn dies. But when they took out Abraham, like, come the fuck on! He has the best no. dialogue, yeah, yeah. the best lines. It's true. I mean, it, yeah, it is very true. He is he's great. I mean, but because like him and him and uh, uh, I can't remember his name now. The guy with the mullet, uh, um, um, Daryl. The guy that plays Daryl. Uh, no, the other fella. The the guy who. Oh 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 oh! Nerd, yeah yeah. Nerd, nerdy fella. Gene or whatever his name yeah. is. Yeah, the yeah. Elvis impersonator. Yeah, he, he had a great. They had great um, kind of chemistry between two of them. You know, there were so many other backstories going on as well. That they haven't shown, they missed out a whole, I think, a whole yeah. story arc there. With that. The way they did kill Glenn in that show was pretty, pretty. close. Oh my it god, was I, was, close. I was like, oh, I know. oh my god, <laughs> no! <laughs> my friends were on, or like, every yeah. my phone was going, are you watching this? Yes! 
it was it was pretty good. Like, but yeah. I was like, because they did the bit with Laurie, yeah, and that wasn't the same as the comics. No, but you couldn't show that. Yeah, you, you couldn't, couldn't show that. that. That was it. Was I mean, that was that was the first graphic novel I, I opened with. Oh, oh my, my fucking god! god that yeah. whole page was dedicated. If you don't haven't seen this, haven't, haven't looked at this comic book, you need to get the Walking Dead comic book. How Laurie dies, it's great. It is because it's like it's such a shocker. It really like whoa! I, I was like, I actually, I think I sat there reading this comic going for a second going. I don't believe I've just seen that. You know, in, in, in comic books have changed, changed since so, I was a kid. Totally. It was crazy. Seriously, they've changed so much since I was a kid. And, and I actually, when I was a teenager, um, I used to babysit for a Japanese family. Right. And they actually, the father was obsessed with mangas, and he had mm. thousands of mangas, and that's where I first got introduced, and I wasn't supposed to read them, mm-hmm. because some of them were the naughty kind of mangas, mm-hmm. with the porn in them, but the others were... Hentai, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. What is this? Oh, tentacles. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> you know? But there were others in there that were just pure manga, and they were mm. fantastic, and I was yeah. reading. I, I couldn't read the, the language, because it was in Japanese, but the pictures... And the storyline that I was making up in my head was fascinating. And so when I got the chance when I was older to find these same ones with the with the translations, I was all over it. And it was amazing. I was literally hooked from then. Yeah. You know, so I love it. I just love it. You know, and that, I don't know, what is it with the comedians? We're all geeks at heart. Totally. totally. Seriously, we're just geeks, you know. I was like, give us some tech. Yeah. Give us some shit like that. We love that shit. I read Planet Hulk this week. And I'm on uh, World War Hulk now. I've got two like, omnibus editions. It's, it's awesome. Really? Oh, I'll, I'll have, have to check them out. I didn't read it for a while. I was like, oh, I just, I don't want, I want to enjoy this. Oh, no, I'm not going to. I know. I do, I, as well. I do that. I haven't earned this. This See, is totally, my treat. Totally. This is my treat. <laughs> the, in the last years, like I've had so much stuff going on, and it's like I don't want to read this now because I'm not the right mate for mm. one. And then it's like, okay, I put on some weight. I've got some crap. I haven't earned this yet. Let me do this. And then that's like just like the last couple of weeks. I'm, okay, I feel like I've earned the mm. right to sit down and read it. Yeah. Read something. Read a book. Read read a comic. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I've earned this. Joy denying. Joy denying. Yeah. The whole and then time. you can just sit there and you're just <laughs> grinning like a maniac, totally. you know? And anyone who sees you thinks you're completely insane is like, I earned this! <laughs> totally. I did not have ice cream for dessert. Yeah. I walked the extra three miles. Mm-mm. I paid my bills. I did my show. I wrote five new pages yeah. of material. I yeah. fucking earned this. Yeah. It's your own personal version of that DVD. Oh, insanity. Yeah, the insanity. That's it. Oh my God. That is insanity. In a t-shirt that's, you know, I earned this. Yes. You know, while you're reading the, the comic books, yeah. I got I've this earned this. Yeah. Yes. That's what we need. We Don't need to judge do that. me when I read a graphic novel in public. I fucking earned insanity. this shit. Totally, that's it. And I'm not, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm i not getting it on my, my pad. I'm not going to, mm. I want the book in mm. my hand. I want to feel the paper. Totally. I want to smell it. Yeah. And I want to mm. hold it in my hand. Mm. I was like, it's not the same. I'm mm. sorry. I, I know I see everyone out there with their little e-readers mm. and stuff. I was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I have 20 boxes full of books mm. and I'm carrying them with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting rid of them. I don't care. Mm that I don't have enough space for them. Mm. I'm not getting rid of my books. Yeah. The books, you pick them up and you can mm. smell them and feel them. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. different thing from just holding the tablet. And, yeah. You know? It's a sensory experience. I it's mean, not totally just visual. It's, 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 to- it's, it's, you know, it's, it's na- nasal. Is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel like the right word. I'm a nasal. It's nasal. <laughs> it's a nasal experience. There's a little white nasal on you right now. That's a nasal. Different kind of nasal. <laughs> the reason I couldn't get the words because I've had a very nasal experience from this in my past sensory it's a very it's, it's, yes, it's, sensory it's, I don't know it, it yeah. just 
it's just different. It just yeah. feels, I don't know. I, I just felt the sensory was too reductive. You know, I just felt like sensory was just too, no, uh, too basic. Too, it's pedantic. No, everyone's <laughs> done that word to death. I'm judging myself too We much. need a new word. I made a new word last night and I didn't even know it was a real word. Because I was like, oh, what was it? Um, outed in. Outed oh, yeah. in. And, you know, with my friends, like, that's not a word. I go, well, I just use it. It's a word. They're like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if I, and then so like, well, she did actually use it in a sentence. So it is a word. Right. And then they would look up, God damn it, it is a word. It's like, yes! Totally. It's a word! So, and, she, and she was trying to out it in you at the time, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, you outed it me from my vocabulary. Oh, yeah. okay, well, yeah. I fucking Fuck you, this. man. Yeah. I outed that shit. <laughs> outed that shit. You know, yeah. make, right now I'm making up new words to call people. You know, it's like I've been calling people. Uh, my friend's kids, I guess, have been hanging around with me too mm. much. I got in trouble because uh, his kid called him a douchebag, a tea bag. Mm. What was it the other day? Oh, uh, a bag of dicks. You know, so I'm like, okay, I didn't cuss in front of your kid. No, but you got my kid to call his teacher a douchebag, a tea bag, and a bag of dicks. He said, you, sir, are a bag of dicks. I go, he is six years old. That kid is brilliant. Yeah, totally. Bag of dicks. Right. He's at the right time. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. well, he was getting told off for something, and he told his, t- his teacher, you, sir, are a bag of dicks. I think that's brilliant. Second morning of a month, so if I get another one, I'm not allowed to be around the kids or them for a month, God. which I'm more aiming for because Christmas is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to buy these little shits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have expensive taste. Mm-hmm. And they want the, the electronic games and shit. Yeah, like, so if I can get you to say one more naughty thing, I, I don't get to see you for a whole month, but they're smart kids. They're like, no, <laughs> I want money. I want, like, I, I've got my advent calendar all ready to go. Yeah. I know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, kids are smarter than I was when every I was a kid. Year, the same time every year. Try this every year. <laughs> That's funny. Last year you told me Santa was dead. That's why I didn't get gifts. Yeah, my oh my god, I got in so much trouble over that one. Yeah, you know, I let a tail that to them. So yeah, it's fine. I. I love kids. I don't have any children, so mm. I've got lots of nieces and nephews that I've lowered, just fucked their lives up. You oh, know? That's good. That's, you're going to inflict some, your, your yeah. personality on somebody. Yeah. That's how I feel about you know kids. I mean, my, my, my wife has got two kids. I mean, they're just the right age for me to in, in, inflict all of my idiosyncrasies yeah. on. So, oh, oh, you, and so I go, oh, this is where you get that from me now. <laughs> exactly. Some of the kids have been around and grown up now, my nephews, and they're like in their 20s. So like, mm. The best times of my life were with you, Jeff. So, We'd spend the night, and you tell us to get out of bed, and we'd say no, and you'd say, you got 10 seconds, or I'm squirting you in the face of the super circuit. Mm-hmm. And we'd say, you know you won't. you count to 10 and suck us in the face. I'm like, I told you, get out of bed. Yeah. I would just do, you know, things like that, you know. Great thing is get marbles, put them in the freezer overnight. Yeah. If the kid won't get out of bed in the morning, lift up the duvet, throw the marbles in there. No matter where the kid rolls, the marbles follow them, That's and true. their eyes cold. That's they true. can't get out of bed. Heat they can't get out of bed fast enough. <laughs> you know, you know, you do that kind of shit to kids, yeah. and they, lo- you know, they laugh and they love it. And, but you know, later off, like, it was the best fucking time of my life. Mm-hmm. Missing these kids sit on the floor and me reading graphic novels and playing mm-hmm. video games and. Right. And stuff, and now they're all into it as adults, yeah. you know. Like, it was the best time of my life, and they still call me all the time. Great. Let's go out and do something. I just want to spend time with you. It was so much fun. I miss our game nights mm-hmm. and stuff. Yes. Yeah, you're a fun head. My, my old man used to, well, he didn't talk about the marbles thing, but he. I learned that from my mom, though. My old man would, like, say, you get up 10, 10, minutes, 10, 10 minutes later, right? And then if I didn't do that, 
who would take the duvet from the bed and just lie there in the, yeah. the, the cold light. The curl out of the ball. Oh, it's, just, it's just horrible, isn't it? It's like, yeah. ah, all tense and angry. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, the, the duvet wouldn't be anywhere near it. It'd be downstairs. I'm like, oh, great, thanks. It's oh, it horrible. I hate that. I, know, but I learned all these things from my mom. We would do that. Marbles is a good idea. The marbles. And then, mm. seriously, she would put cold water, put it in the in the super soaker. Yeah. And she would shoot you in the face. Get out of bed. Get yeah. it. She learned that from her mom. Yeah. You know, it's like, where do you think this shit comes from? It comes yeah. from grandma. So what what was mom what was mom's uh, profession? My mom was a nurse. Oh she, yeah. yeah, so she knew all she knew all the pain she centers. Knew all, and it sucked. It sucked because I was you know, like the thing is she had this big journal of diseases and stuff. So I would flip through it mm. and pretend to have a disease to get out of school because there was a test mm-hmm. and. Mom's like, no, I'm not taking your temperature with an oral thermometer. Bend over, girl. I'm like, I'm 15. I'll go to school. Fine. Jesus. You know? You know, you owe me money for that kid to sweep you through. You know, seriously, I would fake so much shit. You know, and then I'd go to school and the nurse there would fall for it. You know, I remember once I faked disease, but I got my diseases mixed up. And she, I remember I was laying in the, the nurse's office and I heard on the phone, Mrs. Shoemaker, you really need to come get Joanna and take her to the hospital. I think she has the bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I can hear my mother go, what? <laughs> Put her on the phone! <laughs> and my mother's like, your mom wasn't like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I feel so much better now. No, I'm, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I feel like fever's going away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, my mom's message, her outgoing message during the day was, I'm not in right now. If you're calling about Joanna from 9 a.m. until 3.30, she is your fucking problem. Mm. <laughs> That's her, her message. I was, every day I was in trouble at school. Every mm. single day. I used to yodel going down the hallway so my twin sister would know I was being sent to the principal's office again mm. and not to leave without me. Mm. So I would yodel at every day. At least three times a day, you'd hear yodel, yodel, yodel. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in school there. Yeah, there she goes again. Yeah. She's off again. And is your twin sister identical twin? No, we're fraternal. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's the good one. She's never been in trouble. She always did the right thing. Right. You know, she's been in the same job for like 22 years. Right. She owns a house. Mm-hmm. She got a kid. She's fucking stable. Mm-hmm. Stable Mabel, yeah. you know. Okay, it's not a competition, all right? I know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Is that her like, name Mabel? Is that her name? No, her name is Susanna. Oh, yeah, she's, right. so, she's, she's super, yeah. super, super sweet and just really kind and, yeah. and just not nothing like me. And, <laughs> you know, and the thing is that her child, her daughter, uh, is seven years old and she goes, Joanna, I swear to God, she's so much like you. It's terrifying. She looks like you. Mm. She acts like you. It's like living with you all over again. I was like, thank you. Thank you, God. <laughs> and you look at this kid and she looks just like me. It's yeah. amazing. She goes, Great. I, I, I thought I got away from you. You could escape. No, you guys, I mean, like when I was in high school, I put the high school up for sale and we actually had Japanese businessmen fly over from Japan to view the building. I was in so much trouble for that one. I blew up the science lab by accident. I blew up my science teacher's car by accident. I blackmailed my history teacher because I took photographs of him behind the bleachers with the cheerleader who Whoa. later turned out to be pregnant. Oh, no. I used to steal my homeroom teacher's car every single day because she would get drunk at second period with Jack Daniels, which I was putting in her coffee. Me and three of my friends would take a car and drive down the street to go get donuts, and we did that every single day. Mm. I was in trouble, literally, every mm. day. Yeah, in school, I was just in tr- I got in trouble when I took auto mechanics because I pierced all the guys' ears. Mm. I got in trouble when I was at home economics because I blew up the entire refrigerator and I blew up the oven. Yeah, I just like, dude, I don't, I followed your instructions, <laughs> so I was just always in trouble in high school. I was yeah. just always the cops would come there and they would search me like, 
Dave, go for it. Yeah. I ain't got nothing, man. Mm-hmm. I ain't holding. What's up yeah. with you? It's like, I'm not that stupid. But yeah. My crazy's on the outside. Look, this is all going on out here. <laughs> I, I actually stole a school bus in protest because we they didn't allow girls to take... To play other sports other than um, gym and uh, I think it was like gymnastics and, yeah. and like well, girls can do sports too. So I stole the school bus. Unfortunately, I gave the school bus driver a bag of weed, but unfortunately, it had the football players on it. Okay. So I technically could have been charged with kidnapping. However, I had a plan. I took the boys to the lake where we had a kegger, and they didn't mind that they missed the game and they got really stoned and really drunk. And there was just a teenage orgy because the cheerleaders showed up there mm. and it was just an orgy all day. The bus driver got fired and I think he got to do like 30 days in jail for me. So, but I was only 16. And at, at the time, they, if I did that shit now, I would be in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. The stuff that I got away with back then, mm. the st- I could never get away with it now. Yeah. Never in a million years. You know, and it's like, my friend's like, you, you literally were like Ferris Bueller's day off. They, it's like they ripped you off to make mm-hmm. that movie because of all the shit you pull and get mm-hmm. away with. And that's why my mom's outgoing message was, if this is regarding Joanna, she's your problem. Mm-hmm. If it's regarding Susanna, which it never was, because she never missed a day of school. She never got in trouble. No, seriously, half the time people didn't even know she was my sister. Cause she was so good. Yeah. I would shove cheerleaders in their lockers upside down if they looked at her cross-eyed. She never knew about it. Yeah, you did not just give my sister the evil eye. Uh uh-uh, uh, bitch. <laughs> you know? That's great. You know, my sister's like, la 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 la. When I went to school, learned it was kind of wasn't the same, exactly the same, but it was like an old boy school, and like they, I was a bit of a tearaway when I was younger as well. Coming like totally wrecked off my face or whatever the hell it was. Hi, it's yeah, all the time. totally. But every day. But it's like that. It's that. It's a time in, in Ireland when they'd never had that happen before, so they didn't know how to deal with it. So they just went, oh, we'll just ignore that. <laughs> too much. <laughs> my teacher. Yeah. The funny thing was, okay, my mom was getting medical grade marijuana, okay, right. okay. and I was stealing her stash, and I would get fucking blotto, yeah. blotto, you know. Mm-hmm. Go to school and just like, okay, man, this is cool. And I think I'm being, but just crap what happened. The principal, the vice principal, and he was a fucking douchebag. His name was Mr. Kraft. He was a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. He had gone to high school with my mother and had a crush on her. And she thought he was a douchebag then. Mm-hmm. So he treated me like shit all mm-hmm. the time. So he was always pulling me into his class. He's mm-hmm. always getting me in trouble. My mom actually called him up on it that time, but she didn't know what to do with me either. She was like, I just, I don't know what to do with mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know either. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this shit happens. It yeah. just happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. walk in, shit goes down. Yeah. I don't know why. You know? <laughs> it's, the, it's just, I'm the eye of the storm. Chaos just goes on around me. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. You know, but yeah. it's like, I led, I mean, I was always kind of very outspoken, like mm-hmm. in, in junior high. I let a walk up because... Uh, girls um, weren't allowed to take anything but whole economics. It pissed me off. It just right. pissed me off that yeah. I was only allowed to take whole economics. I couldn't mm. even take... The boys were allowed to take any of the sports. They were allowed to take uh, photography. They were allowed to take art. I couldn't take art. I, I love art. I paint all the time. Yeah. I wasn't allowed you know, to do anything other than home economics. So I led a girls walk out. We stayed mm. out of school for almost three weeks chanting on the front Mm. walking back and forth with our parents screaming at us go back to school mm. until Marvin Zandler with eyewitness news showed up <laughs> these little girls out here just trying to take some art classes mm. and it's on the news and it's, you know girls could take anything you know it's like you know I, I'm always just like dude I don't want to just be fucking cook bread I want to learn why can't I take photography what's wrong with girls taking photography yeah. why can't I go in and paint mm. why can't I take auto mechanics my car is going to break down someday mm. So I need to know how to fix it. Mm. 
And actually, that did come in quite handy. On the road, I used to carry a big, giant jug of distilled water. Mm -hmm. I carried pantyhose because if my fan belt broke, tie the pantyhose around, it would get me to the next city. Mm -hmm. If I'm 700 miles between cities, driving Mm -hmm. to gigs, you need essentials. I had two spare tires. I could change a tire in Mm -hmm. under five minutes. I could check my oil. I could change Mm -hmm. my oil, check my water. Mm -hmm. These were essential skills for me to have to be on the road. Mm-hmm. And I learned them through, because I made this thing. Yeah. So. And now you just have a bag of dirty pants that you need to just... They're, like, they're somewhere in Germany. I have no idea what's happening to those pants. I don't want them back, please. Keep them. They're your yours. Just don't clone me if you do because you're yeah. going to have some fucked up kids. Let me tell you right now. I'll tell you, you do not want another one of me running around the universe because that one of me is just devastating. Yeah. Imagine multiples. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, obviously, they're, they're like a, a Swiss Army uh, tool now at this stage, aren't they? Yeah. Because you've got you can you can make money off them. You can turn them into a fan belt. I mean, what else? They, they're just they're so they're they're, they're, they're very universal. universal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 It's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I never thought my underwear would end up in Germany. Yeah. I mean, I've had bags of underwear disappear when I traveled before, mm-hmm. and I've always wondered what what the customs guys are doing with my dirty niggers. Yeah. That has happened to me twice now. Right. They've taken off you. I've had them, you know, it's like when you travel you, and I keep them like in a bag, yeah. the dirty ones, because I'm going to bring them home and wash them. Of course. And then I open up my bag and, you know, it's like, what the fuck? And there's a letter, oh. those, you know, you're, we went through your songs like, okay, so why did you take my underpants? Yeah. What's up with that? Twice now that's happened. So like, it's like that was come, one was come, when I was coming back from France, I took my knickers. I don't know why. Yeah. I took my knickers and a big package of gum that I had bought from America that I still had in my thing. Cinnamon gum is not that bad. It's really good for you. Mm-hmm. Then one time when I was coming up from Germany, yeah, they took my, my knickers out. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. It's odd. It's very I, odd, huh? You know, it's like everyone needs, you know, it's hygiene. You, you take your dirty stuff, you put it in a bag, you tie it up nice and tight mm-hmm. to take it home and throw it in the wash. I'm not going to send it down... I'm not going to call up housekeeping and go, hey, can you wash my knickers? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to send them out to dry clean my knickers. No, I'm going to take them home and wash them. No, everyone's got vices, but that's a very strange vice, isn't it? Like cinnamon gum with dirty knickers. Dirty knickers. Mm. Seriously, what's up with that, man? And I have a fetish for magnets, fridge, fridge magnets. Okay. So I buy them wherever I go. And I have noticed a couple of times some of them have been missing when I come back. It's like, come on. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah, you know. how you, you're not going to sell them. They, they just oh, it's just that's annoying. You know, it's just kind of the things like wherever I travel. I mean, I've got them from all over the world. I've got them from Germany, uh, France, Spain. Everywhere I go, I get. It, I mean, even Tunisia. I mean, I get mm. them wherever I go. I love them. Yeah, you know, it's just the thing. I've got them from every state that I've been to in America. I got them from you know wherever. Even here, if I go to a cool city, I'll get. You know, a magnet. Yeah, that's it. It's just a thing. It's yeah. my thing. You it's, know? A nice small, it's a nice small souvenir as well. You can just yeah, it. and it's, it's just, I don't know. I was like, I love them all over my refrigerator. Mm. I, just, mm. I like the way it looks. I yeah. love them. Mm. Move them around. Do you have letters as well with the things? No. It, it gets too I, much I would be too tempted to write something mean on it to my mm. husband. You know, mm. hey, dickless, fucking, <laughs> fucking wash something, you know? Yeah. Something. Put some clothes on. Put some clothes on. <laughs> For the love of Jesus. Put some clothes on. At least underpants. Mm. At least wear underpants. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Maybe he's got a business going on the side. You know? I don't know. <laughs> he's so proud of himself right now because he's written a new program that takes all the clothes off of the game that he's playing and he's <laughs> he's sharing it on his little network of friends. They're all like, you're a genius. Like, yeah. I walk in there, really? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, how come all your characters are girls and they're all naked? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah I wrote a program. <laughs> I've shared it. I'm a guru. I'm like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Next year in the new year, I'm taking some time off just to write right now. So the next year, I'm going to be doing Soho Comedy Club at, in the UK. Um, have you done uh, Rolling on the Floor, Laughing Your Ass Off uh, in Stoke-on-Trent? No, not yet, no. It's a great venue. It's in Stoke-on-Trent. It's, it's a fantastic place. And mm-hmm. they've got die-hard com- people who love comedy mm-hmm. go there. Mm-hmm. And it's in an old um, post office. Oh, right. And it's fantastic. And it's only on Saturday nights. And it just packs out. And people just absolutely love Because there's nothing else there. But they're a great audience. And they just love you there. I've got lovely messages uh, Saturday from several people who, who through my fan page on Facebook asked me when I'm coming back up there to do the show and so I was like I'm, I, I will be up there in the new year I promise you I'm, I'm coming back that's pretty much it right now I'm just you know, keeping it down low I've got so much going on I really seriously how long have we been trying to figure this out to get me up here to come do this with you my schedule's been cuckoo crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know about your schedule, but yeah. mine's been madness. So you got Soho Comedy Club coming up in the new year. When did you get your show? Is that your hour show? No, no. Well, that one, I'm, I'm looking for a venue right now to do that one in. Right? And like I said, I'm working with uh, Dina Jacobson. She's a writer and a director mm-hmm. and a producer. And she's done loads of shows. If you ever look her up on TV and stuff, she's produced loads of shows. And she's written stuff that's all over the TV. I mean, she's like... She's an amazingly talented woman. This is her first venue into doing like live shows. And so she's done, she's used to doing TV and movies. And so she really wants to get into that. So Great. working with her has been interesting. She's also a, a movie coach. You know, she, she coaches actors and stuff on acting. And she just destroys me and then builds me back up. Yeah. So I was like, I've learned this whole new thing with her. So yeah, in the new year, this is, these are my goals. You know, I've got my new goals. Is It's not about, you know, cool quantity anymore it's about mm, quality shows exactly. I used to like oh if I'm not gigging five days a week then that's it but now I was like you know what I, I don't want to go out and do these shows yeah. where if, if I'm going to drive all the way there I'm going to get there and I'm just going to be treated like shit yeah I'd rather go and do a show that I know is awesome mm-hmm. I know that I already have fans that are going to be there and I can do the stuff I want to do mm-hmm. without feeling all that stress yeah you know, it's like, why can't you give me some food? I've just driven four hours to be here. Why can't you give me some food and give me a fucking cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, no, well, I'll get you a voucher for something. I don't want a voucher. Just give me a cup of coffee. You can drink or else you can drink all you want. Well, okay, well. I, I, I can't. I've got to drive, yeah, you know. Exactly. Okay. It's like I'm, I'm an adult and I'm, I'm responsible. I have to drive home now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you, a job. It is a job. You've mm-hmm. got to treat it like that. And mm-hmm. I keep telling young comics because I, I go and I, I don't know if you do this where you go and you you judge the new open mics and you try to give them feedback and stuff. You try to give them positive feedback. So one of the things I keep telling them is like, don't get on stage drunk. Mm-hmm. If you have to drink two or three beers or a couple of shots before you get on stage, maybe you need to rethink being in this field. I understand the nerve. I do get it. I We've all struggled with those nerves to get on stage. Mm-hmm. Don't get on stage high. Mm-hmm. Because this is a job. If you get on stage high or drunk, you are not firing on all the cylinders. You cannot handle the audience what they're going to throw at you you don't know what the audience is going to throw at you mm-hmm. you don't know if they're going to jeer you if they're going to have some great comebacks to you you don't know you need to be firing on all your faculties mm-hmm. and do that and I tell young comics to go on stage sober I don't care what you do after stage but before you get on stage be sober mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of weird looks from that I don't know have you do not be a sting really isn't it it's like well, you're not gonna you, you need to be fully there and present with them you can't just go on there and 
and just go through the motions. Even if you know you're set that well and you're drunk and delivering it, your time's going to be off. You're going to be slurring your words. You're, you're not going to exactly. be. You're not with them. Yeah. And, and it's their night out. You want to make it the best they can, it exactly. can possibly Especially be. Especially if it's a paying audience. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I feel a, a duty. Mm. Because people work so fucking hard for everything they have right now. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're willing to spend 10, 15 pounds to get into this club to come and see me. Mm. And then they're buying drinks on top. This is their night out for the whole, might be their whole month. Mm. Especially mm-hmm. some of the little places we go to. Mm-hmm. This is their big night out. Yeah. I have duty. I have a care of duty to make sure that I give them the best possible performance. Mm-hmm. They may not like me, mm-hmm. but I will give them the best show I can possibly give mm-hmm. and bring them my all. And I can't do that if I'm drunk. I can't do that if I'm if I'm high. I just can't. I know that some comics say they can. I've yet to do a professional show with a comic that's been drunk or high. Mm. It's not a good show. It's not a good show. Mm. The ones I have done with comics are like that. It's not a good show. It's really bad. Mm. They you think know? in their head they think they've done a good show. Yeah, they think they've done a good show. I've done shows with guys, a guy that was so high and so drunk he took his clothes off on stage and mm. doesn't remember doing it. Right. You know? They couldn't remember a set. And this is a set he's been performing for months and months and months, so... Mm. No good. No good. Well, Jojo, it's great to talk to you. It's been ages since I've seen you, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on Thank the comedy. So Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. And that was Jojo Giorgio. Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Very funny woman. Go find her on Facebook. Go find her on Twitter. Go see her live. Because that's what it's all about. Don't just research her on YouTube. Go see her live. That's where comedy lives. What else have I been doing? I've been trying to get rid of my fear. I've been listening to three years of recordings of gigs from the last six odd years. It's been tough. It's been... It's been levelling. It's been humbling. I've started to hear the... The desperation in my voice. Oh, that's, that's been painful. It's been fa- painful to admit to myself. Oh, it's been hard. But uh, it's helped. I've been doing a lot of gong shows. And the gong shows have really helped me get rid of my fear. But I, I'm, I'm not terrified anymore. You know, I, not, not just of, of, of the comedy. Of, of other things as well. But maybe that's where I am in my life. I think it's probably because I got married. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can scare me now. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm trying to stop laughing as well because it's maniacal. I really am. I'm trying to get rid of that. It's not easy because it's been a safety mechanism. That laughter is just a, a, a decompressor, a stress reliever. I'm trying to get rid of that laughing because it just it's insane. It's, I used to think it was like a ghost train and it was kind of amusing, but now it's just it's just telling. Oh God, I'm full of self-loathing today. Yeah, it's it's. Div- I've been going. I say going to gong shows. Some I've gotten through to finals, and others I haven't. But I've still improved whenever I've gone to those. And it's all about getting rid of the fear and trying to face whatever it is you got going on at the moment. It's very introspective today, guys. But that's that's what's happening. That's what's happening with me. Just, you know why? Why hide it? Why not? Why be something else? Why not be yourself? Why hide what you're really thinking just to suit them, just to please them? You know. I know it sounds so simple and so obvious, but if you convince yourself that you're one way and you're another way, well then, it's a revelation when you finally figure out that you've been lying to yourself. <laughs> there it is again. There's that laugh again. Oh, i got to get rid of that. I hate it. God, it just... But yeah, a lot of things have been happening. It's been, it's been good. It's been good. If you like this podcast and you want to donate... We're on Patreon. Go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, 
and donate if you want to, as much or as little as you want. But if you can't donate anything, just leave us a nice review, an honest review on iTunes or maybe Podbean, because it does help. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're there on Twitter, and it's at The Comedy Defect Podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Winter Phonander. And if you want to come see my live stand-up gig dates, well, just go visit my website, which is winterphonander.com. I haven't had a chance to look at the Guinness Encyclopedia to see if I can craft any more wonderful cerebral gags from that massive tome. Because I haven't had time. I've been really busy with all the self-loathing and the family stuff that's been going on and the process of moving in to my wife's house while getting the comedy defect premises in order as well. But as I say, if you want to donate to the podcast, do. If you want to follow us on Twitter, do. If you don't, that's fine too. If you want to keep listening, great. Happy days. That's it from this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. We'll see you next episode for episode 26. And that is with a stand-up turned musical comedian, John Long. Gonna love that one. See you next time on the Comedy Defect Podcast.